Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are back for another episode. It has been a little bit of a break. A little mini break. There's nothing wrong with a break, but happy to be back. I am with the super producer, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, besides, of course, the fact that my air conditioning is loud, so I turn it off to record. So if you see me start to sweat like Albert Brooks in broadcast news on the video feed, that's why. Uh, I'm doing this for you. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that, and the fans appreciate that as well. But you know one thing that we're not sweating? We're not sweating patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod. We could get our bonus content. We will have a subscriber mailbag this month. We will be doing Fast and the Furious 7 tier going down my eyes, as you can see, the Denzel Glory tier right now. And, uh, yeah, whoever know what whatever bonus content we do get into, that's where we get into it at. Of course, the Discord is $3, and if you want to be a part uh, and have a chance to be on a subscriber mailbag in the future, uh, Avenger status is $8, just to let the folks know. But yes, as, if, for the show today, we have a couple of things on deck. Mm-hmm. We, me and Jake are going to ask three burning questions about, mm-hmm. the, about the slate, the rest of the slate, which took a change, mm-hmm. and we'll also talk about those changes in news and notes. But first, we wanted to take a look at the first half of season one of Ahsoka, the the Lucasfilm Disney Plus series started starring Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. And Jake, I got to tell you, so far, so good. I have no complaints. I'm enjoying it so far. Give me your general thoughts. I mean... I never watched the cartoons that it is based on. And so, Very barely, same here. And so I know that like that's a lot of some consternation about it. Frankly, I'm not super into it. I mean, I don't dislike it, but it feels to me very – it just feels slow, slower than I'd like it to be. Okay. Um, and like I think there's some of the characters I'm interested in. I'm mostly – I don't, I don't want to like make any broad statements about characters because I don't know if it's intentional or based on whatever happened in Rebels or uh, Clone Wars. But um, I find it I'm I'm kind of after four episodes, frankly, I'm kind of tired of the stoic Ahsoka. Like I just I, as the main character, I can't read her at all. Um, and I know a lot of people have criticized Rosario Dawson's uh, you know performance, and I don't want to go that far because I don't frankly I don't want to be lumped in with the the types of people who are criticizing her performance but i i'm wanting a little bit more from her um and yeah i mostly just like i can get there and i'm also like a pretty easy watch i'll watch you know anything but at the moment my big hang up and this is of course a hang up because i didn't watch the cartoons is i honestly just don't give a shit if they find ezra bridger like i just don't care because i don't know who the character is Mm -hmm. and i understand these characters like him but i think that like it is, of course, the whole dilemma of making a show that's based on characters that pe- that some people have a deep attachment to and some people have never heard of. And Sounds like I know familiar, this, huh? this might, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this might make me a horrible human being, but it's just like I, this Ezra Bridger guy. Like, I mean, Ezra Bridger sounds like you know Ezra Miller and Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> I mean, so like, and, and I was again, there's yeah. stuff that I enjoy. I thought that the lightsaber <laughs> stuff in this episode was pretty cool. Um, and, but, and then the, my one last big criticism is I think that it, someone really should look into why and how, even though they're technically using most of the same technology, 
why does the Mandalorian season one look so much better than every other thing in the Star Wars TV verse? Because I the the backgrounds just maybe I think they might just be using the volume more, but like some of the stuff like just it looks straight up bad. Like the the, the set where like they're like doing the, the mm-hmm. coordinates or whatever that like Stone Age like set. Yeah, I don't know about you. It just feels so obvious that they're not outside. And every moment that they do a shot like that, I'm like, you're clearly in a studio. I just, I can't, I, I, I can't get past it, honestly. So I feel, fortunately for me and my viewing experience, I've tried to not concentrate on that because, I mean, to your point, it seems like a, a lot of this is being done on the volume. So I think when when that happens. Yeah. It's like you either are you either are gonna allow it to bother you or yeah. you're gonna just kinda mm-hmm. kinda truck on through. I've chosen sure. to truck on through for me. That's the smart and, decision. <laughs> and, and, and and it is because I think the thing that I've chosen to focus on is the story. I think the mm-hmm. I think the Sabine Wren and Ahsoka story trying to feel out their relationship mm-hmm. and what that is uh, has been interesting yeah. and, and watch watch that develop over the first four episodes and having this kind of turn from Sabine in episode four to mm-hmm. find Ezra leaving Ahsoka. She, she didn't even check if Ahsoka was okay after mm-hmm. she fell off the, yeah. fell off the damn uh, ridge that they were on or whatever. And that was unfortunate. So I do want to see how that continues. I think the, the villains actually have been pretty interesting. Uh, um, uh, what's, what's that dude's name? The, the Jedi, the, the Jedi, the, well, the character's the, name, I don't know. It's Ray Stevenson's, of course, the actor. Ray Stevenson, the yeah, late, yeah, rest, rest, rest in peace. peace. Uh, Balin Skull, Balin Skull. Um, I I thought that performance was yeah. fantastic in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, just coercing Sabine into mm-hmm. just, hey, uh, I'm not going to do anything to you. Let's just, let's just mm-hmm. do this. Really convincing. And then, yeah, yeah, to your point, the fight scenes were pretty good. Now, with that being said, the stuff that you mentioned about the prior series, Rebels and Clone Wars and all of those things and, and what it means, I think it is there is some toughness in terms of understanding the specifically the end, this world between between worlds that Ahsoka ends up in mm-hmm. at the end of the episode where she sees Anakin and what mm-hmm. does that mean? This was something that only occurred in the Rebel series. So but but apparently this is a big deal in Star mm-hmm. Wars lore. So I'm excited to see where that goes, but not having that prior context does leave me a little bit like, huh, you know, it it yeah. should feel like more weighty than what it does to me, but which I get. But yeah. I, I personally, as far as the show is concerned so far, I've actually enjoyed it. I think, I think the one thing that I've tried to stay away from is the conversation around the show, because I mean, immediately yeah. after the first... I watched the first two episodes and then I just like I logged on to just see like what people were saying about it. And then I heard that the, then I heard and read some of the stuff that they were talking about Sabine Wren, the, the actress uh, playing her and just the performance stuff with that. And they should have casted this person. And, they should, and I just like, all right, I'm, I'm that. I'm not I, doing I, it's funny. I think that the actress playing Sabine is one of the better performances in the show. I just don't. I, think I, she's I doing don't really good. There's a there's a problem where. Katie Sackoff playing Bo-Katan in The Mandalorian really fucked up a lot of people because they were lucky that she was basically the same age and looked like the actual character. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm sorry, a lot of voice performers just aren't great physical performers. She sucks to suck. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> like, I don't want to say sucks to suck. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I just don't, it feels like just like, I don't know. I, I understand the, 
the desire, but I think it is it is a different medium and it's for different people. Now, the one thing I think that the relationship between Sabine and Ahsoka is really well done, and I I get it, and that's why my big note I would have given, and I think that this actually, I think the problems with it being based on a previous series. Mm-hmm. stem from the fact that the creator of this show is the creator of those series. If you had a, if it, like with Marvel, where you have a new person coming in, they kind of have to put their own stamp on everything. Whereas like, I almost imagine if you gave another showrunner the task of making the show, not Dave Filoni, they would do a lot more things to establish stuff. For, my biggest thing I would say is like, there just needed to be an episode one or two, some type of flashback or something to show Ezra as a person and like to show the relationship. Okay. Because I think that, the reason why I'm not, I don't, the reason why I'm not confused about what's going on with Ahsoka and Sabine is because you see them interacting with each other and their performances are able to fill in a lot of those gaps. We have mm-hmm. not seen anyone interact with Ezra. I, everything we know about how people feel about Ezra is what we're being told by characters and that feels hollow inherently. And so I can understand why Dave Filoni, a person who knows this stuff back and forward, who made this stuff himself, would be like, we don't need to show a flashback. Ezra is a really important character, but it's like, no, you're just telling me he is. And Show don't tell is like an overrated screenwriting trope, but it is true in this case where it's like, okay, fine. Like I, I feel like the the decision that Sabine makes at the end of episode four would mean a lot more to me if I just wasn't told that she cares a lot about Ezra. If there's some way that I could that you know that I don't know because like I'm sure that Ezra is the greatest guy of all time, and I'm sure that fans of Rebels are going to be in our mentions telling us how great he was, and I'm like, great then show us like why I, if it's episode four, this whole thing's about Ezra and Thrawn. Why have I not seen them yet? You know? Well, I think the, the more perplexing thing for me, if I really wanted to dive into it would be, so this grand Admiral Thrawn has been built up to be this, this really dangerous person that we really have to stay away from by at all costs. And Sabine was like, Hey man, nah, just yeah. nah, nah, we're not doing that. We, we're not doing that at all. So, I think I wanna I w- I would love to see to your point something a little bit more that establishes that because if Grand Admiral Thrawn is supposed to be this person that is so dangerous and so evil that why would we even go bother trying to get to this place as to where we we want to save Ezra? I mean, this is thing that Ahsoka was saying in this past episode, like, hey. If it comes down to it that we got to close the portal and not do this, we got to do this. This is more important than anything else. The greater good as as that that trope always goes, but I mean, I the Thrawn part is that's that's where it's at for me. I want to see what yeah. Thrawn is and why is he so dangerous and why is he looked at with such high regard in terms of just like this dude is somebody serious that you got to pay yeah. attention to. And especially because we know that Thrawn seems to be what they are building this uh, series to series to series to movie uh, thing based on because you you got the skeleton key show you got another I'm guessing there's going to be another season of Ahsoka uh, whatever happens in Mandalorian and then when they bring all of those elements together with Lucasfilm you never know so we'll see what happens but if they intend to get to that place obviously you want to see what uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn has in store but this world between worlds things and what is Anakin's role? Uh, Hayden Christensen, we see at the end. What does that mean? That intrigues me. But otherwise, I've been trying to keep it low stakes and just enjoy it, have yeah. a good time, and not, you know, not get too bogged up in the the conversation about it. But your points are very valid. 
I, I don't, I'm not even particularly bothered when I'm watching it, other than by the volume, mostly just because that's the thing I've been noticing now. It's like a new hobby horse of mine just to notice, like, oh, wow, it's really, uh, it's really become a problem. I mean, but, I watched Quantumania the other day, and it's like, oh, my God, it's so obvious. It's just, oh, it's just like there's yeah. a way that you can tell it's the volume because things are artificially out of focus. And, yeah. like, I sp- well, the basic thing is, I think, if I take a guess why the first season of Mandalorian looks so much better, is because I think that they built the sets a lot bigger. And that only like the way background was in the volume, whereas now it feels like ten feet behind the actors is the volume, and that's where everything just looks completely fake. But anyway, um, other than that, I've you know I've enjoyed it. It's low sticks. It's Star Wars. There are lightsabers and uh, you know laser guns. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is green, and you know it, it, there's some things I need to work out about how I feel about that. Um, what is I it like with Twi'leks? What is it? No, no. What is it with like whoever designed that race? I think they're Twi'leks, right? The people with mm-hmm. the so it was like there were a mandate where it's like every female Twi'lek has to be hot. <laughs> like that was like a, they never you never seen an ugly act, actor cast in those roles. I'm right. just saying. But right. yeah, and, she's and, good. And the, and the sun is straight up human. Like what what happened there? Oh, he I talked about this on the Discord. He ain't got one like one like a strand of something sticking out of his head or some shit like. Yeah, that. he's supposed to be half human, half Twi'lek, and he just has green hair. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Man. Someone's got to like draw me the Punnett square that shows how that makes sense. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. So we'll see if we if we catch up with Ahsoka towards the end of the series and and kind of give our our run around with that. But those are the thoughts, the, the general thoughts that we have on that for now. But another reason that we're here today is because of some of the news that came out at, towards the end of last week. The Hollywood Reporter uh, released some news regarding the MCU and some of the switch arounds with dates. We're getting instead of instead of Echo this December or the end of November originally was supposed to occur. We're getting what if the, the wonderful series that we reviewed uh, <laughs> all back in 2021. Uh, and uh, we were taking a look at that. That should be very interesting with the new little twist that they have. I, apparently today they released some of the, the titles of the episodes and what that may look like. I'll read them to you a little later. Cause it actually involves one of the questions I have for you, but so we're getting what if around Christmas, no official date on that yet. We're getting Echo in January. And I said this when I read this news at the time. If Echo is bad, just put it out. Don't waste your time with it. It, ju- it just doesn't make sense. If you've shot, if you've posted all of the things, I don't know what a month difference is going to make. As opposed to, especially if you're making this a binge model where it's just you're putting the entire series out at the same time. I don't, I just don't understand the, unless, like, maybe I can't get into studio heads' uh, minds as far as, like, whether it's a marketing thing or an executive thing or something along those lines. But it just reads to me, based off of the delays that we've already seen from it, especially for something that's already been done it reads to me that they think it's bad even if even yeah. if it, it may not be but it, it reads to me that way so yeah. what what did you think i think that that's part of it i think they might also be trying to see if they can have cuz with the strike I, I assume that they're not going to have a uh series in the can for the beginning of next year maybe right am i wrong about that well so like we're gonna get we're getting echo in january mm-hmm. and then apparently sometime in the late winter early spring we're getting the animated x-men 97 so yeah i think that they want a live action thing in the first half of the next year but like i i think that it is part that it probably they probably don't think it's very good and i think that 
they're probably right about this part that like any viewers it's going to get is going to require some promotion. Like it's not something that speaks for itself. So like, but even then it, it's, I think that I, I can imagine there are two competing visions of like mm -hmm. one just like that has your view of like, if it's bad, just put it out. And then like a, it's bad, but if we promote it, people might watch it. And I can understand if they're thinking that the strike will be over by then, which Jesus Christ, it better be um, that they can maybe promote it. But like, I don't know. It, it there's just so much information we don't have access to in terms sure. of viewership and what they know, how far along they know certain things are, you know, because um, a lot of the stuff that's been stopped during the strike, we have no idea how much more it needs, you know. Um, and so I am, I still agree in full agreement with you that like they are, and I think that this is something that I talk to you about all the time. And mm -hmm. I, I, I hate being right about what, like when a studio knows a movie's going to be bad. Like there's certain times where I'm like, you know, uh, like I saw like a trailer for something that came out. I forget what it was. That like this is like on January 10th, and I saw people like, "Oh man, this is gonna rule." I'm like, "Coming out January 10th, this is gonna suck." Sorry, and this is the way it works. Um, and so like they are acting like they think they have a dud. I hope they don't because it would really fucking suck if they give a character like that a show and they didn't, you know, make it good. But yeah, I'm it. I, I'm I, what what if whatever. I mean, the thing that's exciting about what if is that I think that. Uh, when when we're covering what if when we get the fish grease out i feel like it's some of our best stuff but <laughs> oh yeah that's that's the one thing about it like when it when it gets when it gets a little little nonsense nonsensical we we are at our best so I, I do look forward to covering uh what if and seeing what happens with that so there will be at least something to to dive into towards the end of the year after the marvels comes out and uh, mm -hmm. it, it'll, it'll be interesting, you know, to see it now that Dune got moved and the Marvels mm -hmm. kind of have free reign. It doesn't seem like they're going to uh, yeah. move the movie anymore. Frankly, anymore. I would not. I think that this is probably oh. a tough question that I, I it probably will do worse because it doesn't have promotion. But yeah. I think access to premium screens when no one else is going to be using IMAX at the end of the year is much more valuable than the promotion in comparison. Like. Do I think it's going to do well? Not really, but that's just because I don't. I, but I think that it will do better. Like, think about the fact that like these movies that make a shit ton of money, they're almost always showing IMAX because it's way more money. So like, I would not give that up. And they, God, if the strike isn't over by then, which I think it's still my honestly, I think it might not be, which is crazy. I thought it was going to be October at the latest, but it looks like it, they might be taking it at the end of the year. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this about the strike right now. We actually talked about it a little bit about it on the stream that yeah. you did the other night. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly amazing to me how we all can see it, but they mm -hmm. can't. Mm -hmm. Just that, like, they, they can't see it. And what it's going to end up happening is they're going to get fucked by this yeah. one way or another. There's no way to stop that part of it, which that is the thing that boggles the mind more so than anything else. But then you get to the fact that these powerful people just can't let and, the grip go. And, and guess what? And the thing, too, is the money that they're losing in revenue is not coming out of the CEO's pocket. You know, it's just, it's the, and, and I think that's really frustrating too, is whenever you see people are like, well, why don't these writers and actors get back to work? It's worth noting. Just want to make sure everyone knows this and both strikes, especially with the writer strike, which is the one that's been going on longer. It is the uh, AMPTP's turn to respond. The writer has responded. The last deal that the uh, AMPTP put out, the writers responded to, I think in two and a half days. And it's been like a month and the AMPTP hasn't said anything. So. And in the previous times, they've, the, the alleged, things that the that the studios have proposed have just been similar to what they've been proposing this entire time which again it's like if you want to keep trying to go down this road again the writers and the actors to that degree 
need this change. Yeah. Need need I've been talking letters. to uh, on the same live stream after you left. I was talking to um, a hunter who was not not hunter DC, but another fun hunter, yes. hunter Covington, yes. who's a member of their guild. Nice, nice gentleman. And, um, he was talking about you know, and we were what we were discussing uh, the strike and what have you, and. I think what we both, what I said to him, what I was feeling, and he agreed, was like, the CEOs don't seem to realize that writers and actors correctly believe that if this deal goes the way the CEOs want it to, there won't be a profession in two years. So, like, not working now is nothing. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, but don't these writers want to get back to work? Yeah, but if writers get back to work, you know, 80% of the workforce will be laid off in five years so. It's it, like Roswell and Dexter will go forever because they seem to understand that's an existential threat. But the CEOs are like, well, let's starve them out. It's like, okay, cool. These people are going to have to move out of LA anyway if you, this deal goes through. Right. So, it, it, yeah, that part, that part of it continues to be amazing to me. It's continually said they need to do this. This, this is something that is as inherent and as an existential in yeah. terms of like what this needs to be and how this needs to change. And I, I just, I can see it now going into the end of the year. I, I really yeah. can because just because of the lack of a willingness. And I think the worst thing about it is the, uh, particularly Zaslav and Iger, mm-hmm. they've gone about it just by saying the same tired of, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we do. We should end the strike. We should end the strike. We just, mm-hmm. just like very empty platitudes about we should end uh you know, and Zaslav talking about, oh, well, the, you know, the workers, the the actors and the writers need to feel valued yet, you know, you're not. It's you know. it's it's crazy because the, the asks are so reasonable and, you know, they're reasonable because, like, mm-hmm. they're not even as bad as, like, like, if you look at, like, the contracts that these companies have in, like, France and Germany and countries that have, like, actual labor protections, they're way more extensive. <laughs> like, you know, like, in, in I think in France specifically, Netflix does have to give up their streaming numbers. But, like, they're like, we can't possibly do that. It's like, oh, you do it fine for countries in Europe, but you can't do it here because you want to fucking screw writers. Anyway. It was um, so stri- It was so striking, man. I'll tell you. I, I can't yeah. remember what um, publication I read it from, but it was about the, the Orange is the New Black uh, mm-hmm. creator, and it was in a, they were in a room with the, with the Netflix head, and they were talking about how well the show was doing, and the, and the Netflix head was just going on and on about, like, man, we're making so much money off of this mm-hmm. show. And the creator was looking at him like he had three heads. Like what? <laughs> like what? Yeah. Is, I know our show is popular, but I ain't yeah. seeing none of this shit. And, and like obviously, there's more to. It. There's more things specifically with writers. Like one of the main asks is minimums in writers' rooms because basically what they want to do is mm-hmm. now that TV seasons are shorter, they want to make it so there's only one writer of a show, and they can bring people on freelance to help. And that that's not how you yeah, make that's a trash. show. That's um, trash. And, and to, but the big thing about like residuals is if you explain it to anyone who's not in the industry and you say like, Hey, you probably know this, that TV people get paid based on residuals on the reruns and stuff like that. Most people know right. that it's like, right. and so what if I told you that now that most things are rewatched on streaming, people would assume that there are residuals there. Cause why wouldn't there be? And the fact that there aren't is so fucking nuts that they think they can get away with not doing that. Like, how how do you change the model from reruns to streaming and then say like oh you know what thing we used to do with reruns where you get paid off of them we don't do that anymore you we get to keep everything streaming so Man, I, anyway. I, I, I seen i seen uh julito mccullum's tweets uh he played uh Naaman on the wire season four mm-hmm. and them checks that he'd be getting for residuals from season four 
20 cents, 20 cents, 20 cents, yeah. 20 cents. And that's because he's I only mean, getting, he's only really getting them off of actual TV views. He's not getting them on yeah. the streaming. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, nonetheless, I mean, we've been pretty consistent on our opinion on this on this whole subject. So we hope it ends. But yeah. until then, you know, we'll we'll keep yeah. uh, being on the side of the writers and the actors mm-hmm. and hopefully mm-hmm. they get compensated and paid in the way that they deserve. But there is a little bit more news on the MCU front in terms of what we're going to get. So Agatha, and they keep changing the title of this show, which seems to me after I, I've seen some of the marketing folk, marketing folks from from Marvel uh, talk about it, it seems like it's intentional. Like they're playing yeah. around with it in some I hope like it is. Witchy, w- witchy type of way. So it seems like it's just some... I know you had mentioned the other day on the on the Discord that, 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 that the titles keep getting worse. I, th- I think the first one, the original one, House of Harkness, was the best one. I, I, I feel like I feel like comfortable <laughs> about saying that. Yeah, so I, I, it, you know, we'll see what it ends up being, but that's supposed to now come out in the fall of 2024, sometime towards Halloween. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I think the thing that was most notable for me was that Ironheart was completely taken off of the the calendar mm-hmm. at any point for the time being. Now, Ironheart is something that I know has been already shot, and it's already mm-hmm. been... I think everything has been handled with that. It's just a matter of when it's supposed to come out. It seems like, from what I have been reading, seems to be tied to Armor Wars. Mm-hmm. So... They might want to wait till the strike ends to kind of get back to what's happening with Armor Wars and start filming that at some point, and then maybe there'll be a more firm release date for that. So until then, we won't know anything about Ironheart. So that's a little bit off the, uh, you know, that's yeah. that's off the schedule for the time being. I will say, and, uh, I yeah. felt like the way that that was reported out was a bit misleading, and that it was saying it was taken off the schedule. And I saw a lot of people reacting to it as if it wasn't going to come out. And like that right. just, I think once again, and this is whatever, but people who don't know what things mean overreact stuff. Not that it's not a bad thing, but it's kind of like, no, it's not that it got canceled. It was taken off the schedule, meaning it will come somewhere else. Like, stop, this is not... Not a conspiracy. Trust me, they ain't gonna. Well, Marvel's not gonna spend that amount. Disney's not gonna spend that amount of money for. It's not. It's, this is not Zazzla. It's not, it's they're not gonna, that. Girl. If they're gonna, yeah. If they're gonna, if they're gonna put something into it, they're gonna put it out at some point. I think they want to line it up with Armor Wars mm-hmm. and specifically with the type of characters that they have, in in not only that show but probably in Armor Wars itself, makes more sense to connect it. So I get it. If that point, at yeah. that point, if they need to do that. But right now, like as far as twenty twenty four goes in the MCU, it's gonna be pretty light it, unless yeah. the strike ends in the next month or two. But yeah. you know, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens there, mm-hmm. and that should that should be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I was excited. I was excited to see the type of story that they had lined up for Captain America: mm-hmm. A Brave New World and stuff like that, because that one I think was almost done. But you know, well, just like anything else, it's it is. Um, I don't mind in this case waiting a little longer so these mm-hmm. people could get yep. what they deserve. So, Jake, mm-hmm. you and I were supposed to come up with three questions for each mm-hmm. other about the remaining slate for the year, mm-hmm. and um, I'll let you go first. You can ask me, and I'll and I'm, I'm curious okay. to see what you got. So, my first question for you is. How do you think the Jonathan Majors of it all is going to affect the reception and number of, number of viewers of Loki season two? After seeing the the second teaser 
the 45 second teaser and it, and it seems like they wanted to sprinkle him in a bit more mm-hmm. in in that teaser and it seems like he's there's a little bit more heavier interaction with Loki and Mobius um in that teaser I don't think I'm starting to think that this is not going to affect anything at all and this is something that has kind of played out over the last couple of months and just for you know just for news sake that trial got delayed again um got delayed i think i believe another couple of weeks they're going to i think they're going to reconvene towards the end of the month and the trial's supposed to start that time uh, majors could go to jail for a year if convicted there's a lot of crazy information regarding that scenario and everything that's happening there so i don't know how it's going to play out but at least the way that i see it now as opposed to what it was a few months ago it seems like disney and marvel are going under are acting under the idea that majors is going to continue that's just me it's just me looking at it Mm -hmm. as opposed to what happened earlier in the summer it seems like i unfortunately agree it seems like they have reverse course. So it's a, whether they had got some information or whether they made a decision and said, we tied all of this to this person and we're just gonna, we're just gonna roll along with it. Um, it seems at least for now that this is how they're going to go. And I don't think it's going to affect. I don't think it's going to affect viewership. I think Loki's going to do really well. I just, it seems to me that at least from what I've seen, and of course trailers are very misleading, but a lot of the same writer staff from season one is on season two. And I said this during our Loki trailer pod, it seems like they're not just continuing the story. It seems like they're building upon it, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I think is, is to make it more propulsive from that standpoint, really get into the multiverse storytelling that we quite frankly, as fans have been looking for the time travel and everything to get more of an idea what the story of Kang and what the story mm-hmm. of Loki and Sylvie is and how that continues and stuff like that. So I think people love Loki. That was the most watched show. Mm-hmm. I don't see it not being that way. Uh, I think it's going to continue to do mm-hmm. well. And, you know, it's unfortunate that that it, it does feel like fans... It's interesting when you look at that dynamic with fans because fans have this very kind of broad thing. There's a portion of folks where I will read online and they'll be like, well, you know, innocent until proven guilty, all that stuff. Let's forget about it. Turn the brain off. Mm -hmm. This is how we go. And then there's another set of fans. And I will put myself in that other set of fans who kind of look at the totality of the whole thing. And say, hey, man, when a shitty person is it, it just happens to get caught on some other stuff as opposed to what they were really doing back then, which seems that part of it seems to be true. Listen, man, if if it's that many stories, if it's that many issues, some of it has to be true. They, not everybody's making it up is what I would say. Yeah. And that I feel comfortable saying, saying this, on, saying it on this show. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then you know, from a from a moral standpoint, which I know everybody's like, no ethics, no morals. We just here to watch, and we're just here to. It's for our entertainment at the end of the day. I think it's it's still always going to be a difficult pill to yeah. to swallow at the end of the day because 
listen, man, you want to you want to watch good people be good. Yeah. Like good people be good. That's that's yeah. that's how I feel in my heart mm-hmm. personally. Hey. So there always is going to be a, a, a mix of like, I'm going to feel uh, not uncomfortable, I would say now, but I, I'm always going to feel like, a, damn, this feels different than what it did. Yeah. I, the biggest thing for me, I'll add before you give me your first question, is that I think the fact that so many of the stories of him being an awful person come from sets changes it a lot for me where I'm just like, part of the thing I like about the MCU, and this is the thing we discussed somewhat with um, Joanna Robinson and Dave Gonzalez, is just that like there haven't been horror stories from sets for the most part. Mm-hmm. And like I, that actually makes me feel a little a lot better about why, because in comparison to other big franchises, like the MCU is run incredibly smoothly, you know, yeah. and like, I just don't want to be thinking about like, oh, now for the next like seven movies, these movies I like a lot, people are getting yelled at and screamed at and treated like shit because they just had to back this one actor as if he's the only person who could possibly play this character. Like, you know, I don't know what's true and what's not true, but like, I think that, um, you know, the, the the stuff about him being on set is, I believe that more than anything, just because it is just so rare for people to go in public and call someone an asshole and move to Hollywood because it's like career ending. If it's fa- if if people find out that you're doing that, you will never get hired yeah. again. And so, like for people like hairdressers or things like that to go on record, even if they're anonymous, saying that, like I just want people to know how un- rare that is. Like I don't know if I've ever heard it. Um, like the, whenever I hear that said, it's like it's about like Kevin Spacey who actually is a monster. Like that's how bad of a person right. you need to be for people to start talking about your behavior on sets. Um, so yeah, I I just want to know what you thought about that. Because um, it's, it's the elephant in the room of the MCU right now. It's, it, it, I mean, that's the thing. Like, when you really look at all of it, it's like they want to continue on and make this the big, uh, the obviously the big bad, and the story will end and change with him. So uh, continuing on that road, if they do decide to do so, would either require them having certain information or... They're just like, hey, we're just going to go along and continue on because we don't feel there's another better choice. So we'll see what happens. It is. It, it, we're getting close. So now I'm I'm interested to see what the reception is going to be. And I'm fascinating to see if the if the quality of the show can just outdo that part. And I think it probably will. So we'll see what happens there. My first question to you is, would you spontaneously combust if a Sylvie Loki sex scene occurred? Wow, your questions are a lot better than mine. Um, (laughs) Yes. Um, Because, uh, you know, one, as everyone knows, well, as long-time listeners know, uh, I am one of five people cited in the Wall Street Journal about sex scenes in the Marvel Universe. So uh, it's something I think about a lot. Um, And but I'm just going to do a quick recap. This is only 2011. What happened was I got a phone call. I got a DM DM and then a phone call from a reporter at the Wall Street Journal who wanted to talk about when when Eternals was about to come out, talk about indie directors directing over movies. So we've had a half hour conversation about that. And then Eternals came out. And uh, I get an email the Monday after saying like, hey, I have some follow up questions. And they all happen to be about the lack of sex scenes in Marvel. And I'm like, that's, she must've saw the movie and wanted to add that to her story. And then like two days later, I get sent the article and it's about how Marvel scenes, Marvel movies don't have sex. And the only quotes that were in of me were about sex, you know, fun stuff. But mm-hmm. would I spontaneously combust? Probably. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is like, there's been a lot of discourse online about sex scenes and it's all just big children who don't know how to grow up and you, that or zoomers who grew up with such easy access to porn. They can't understand that there'd be a reason to watch people have sex other than to be titillated. Um, that I think I really, that's a, a take I saw. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like, if you're like 18, you saw internet porn when you're 10. And then when, it, so when you see like, 
uh, Florence Pugh's boobs in Oppenheimer, you're thinking, well, the only time I ever see boobs is when I'm supposed to be jerking off. So, like, why right. why is this in a movie? But, of course, grow up. Um, and so I'd be excited for a lot of reasons. And I think if people have fucking good chemistry, you have them kiss. Even if it's PG-13, you have them kiss, you have them go to a bed, and then you have them wake up with sheets over the bits. Like, that's what you do. People don't do now people just have chemistry and they do quips and they kiss once and that's the movie. No, this isn't a hard channel. Um, let's, you know, do it right in the fucking McDonald's freezer. Like who cares? Uh yes, I would spontaneous thing bust. I listen, I I like a little romance. I like a little tension. Loki and Sylvie got tension, man. Yeah. At the end of that first season, the kiss, and then she pushes him away and He's lost, and now you. I mean, I saw that little teaser where he, the way that they looked at each other in that McDonald's. You ain't, you ain't want nothing from that. Come just, on, now. Just like once again, people are like the morals about like oh, they're different multiverse versions of each other. It's like we're not playing. This is the multiverse. You want to play by our rules of ethics? Get out of here. Come on, this all bets are off. I just like don't. We we, know, we, talk about, we talk about how we're tired of the multiverse, you know, and I think that that's fair. Multiverse fatigue. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that. People having sex with a different version of themselves isn't a way to spice the multiverse up. Get the fuck out of here. It absolutely yeah, is. Yeah, man. I, let's, let's, I'm, I'm all for it. But yeah, yeah go All ahead. right. So my second question for you is, let me remember how I worded it. Uh, da, da, da. It is, um, I actually, I need to reword it because I originally just did these questions in general, but this is for you. It's like, okay. what are you looking for the future of, specifically at the end of uh, the Marvels, Kamala Khan and other Avengers who happen to be young? Uh, since there's no movement for that, like there's no project with that in the title, what are you looking for to learn at the end of uh, the Marvels and going forward? Well, I think at this point, Aman Vellani is the person that you need to be investing in, in terms of what this needs to be as a overall product. This person is a superstar of the highest order, and she needs to be marketed as such, and she needs to be pushed as such. I you could i could even see it in the marvel's trailer is who am i most interested in kamala i'm i'm already mm-hmm. interested in her so you put her and somebody like a kate bishop together you've already got some there's nothing that can go wrong with that you saw what happened with with kate and yelena in in hawkeye mm-hmm. you saw what that type that type of chemistry mm-hmm. could be and i think you want to just put a good actors put good actors together, and I think this mm-hmm. is this is a chance for them to do something significant, especially with the young Avengers. Um, said it on the pod with Mike Ryan. I really do think what the MCU is going to do is they're going to use Secret Wars to reset and everything. And yeah. if it, during that reset, if we get a team mm-hmm. headed by Miss Marvel and mm-hmm. Kate Bishop, I think. Listen, man, the dude bros are going to be mad, but I don't give a shit about them. No. I give a shit about my own enjoyment. And I know I would enjoy the two of them heading a team mm-hmm. of young heroes to kind of usher in a new age. See, and that's yeah. what I want to see. A yeah. thought I had when I was seeing the film Bottoms for the second time, which is really fucking funny, okay, is that I, that I think that she, one, she should say no, but... If I'm Kevin Feige, I am calling Emma Seligman, who directed that film, and saying, you get $90 million to make a Kamala Khan and uh, Kate Bishop movie or, like, six-episode series. What do you want to do? Once again, she should say no. She shouldn't fall into that trap. But I think that that is a thing that they should be exploring. They should have a young female filmmaker take that on because I think that that's also – you know, I, I think that so much of what makes the Miss Marvel series, you know, pop is that it feels so true to – these unique voices. And the last thing I want is like, if Kamala Khan 
uh, Yelena Belova and Kate Bishop are going to be like the main members of the Young Avengers. I don't want fucking some dude directing that movie. Like, not that we, not that dudes can't direct that movie, but like, I want mm-hmm. it to feel because that's that's what worked about you know this Marvel and in Hawkeye when it worked, even though that series was not uh, largely female directed. I feel like you could just feel the vibe that it feels true, and so. I want just those two in a movie and then throw whoever you need to, whatever side characters, whatever young people you could throw in, get, you know. Um, if you gave yeah. me six mm-hmm. episodes of Kate and Kamala trying to recruit a couple of folks mm-hmm. and then running into some baddies along the mm-hmm. way, that's it. That's all you that's need. That's all you need. That's all you need. And you know you can do? You can shoot it on location. You don't need to spend a lot of money. That's yes. my new thing. It's just like, just save money. Meantime, you can't do it for $90 million. Get the hell out of here. You just need to do the VFX for Kamala's powers, and that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, Shoot it in Jersey money. City. Don't don't come out here and tell me Atlanta is Jersey City. I live there. That's another thing that people canonically know about me. I lived in Jersey City. If I don't fucking <laughs> see, if I don't see Kamala posted up in front of Renato's Pizza Masters at some point in the future, I'm gonna be pissed. Okay, we gotta get her in real JC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but I'm 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 totally over the moon o- o- over a potential. Um, Young Avengers thing headlined by Miss Marvel because, I, like I said, Amon Vellani is just incredible, and um, I look forward to seeing her do MCU stuff for as long as this thing mm-hmm. is going to run. So I'm excited for that. My question to you regarding the Marvels is this one: What do you need to see from the Carol Danvers character in terms of not only story growth and the way that? We have talked, and I've been more specific about this. I feel like her character has been done a disservice by mm-hmm. just kind of the one note yes. uh, way that it's been written so far. What do you need to see in the Marvels to kind of feel better about it? I need to see a why. Because the line in uh, Avengers Endgame of there are a lot of other planets out there, or a lot of other galaxies out there, or whatever she says, um, it's not enough. That's not a... That doesn't come from a character. That is like, an, yeah, why is she not on Earth? Like, I guess that's true, but like, that's not why she's not on Earth. You know what I mean? Like, she could go back to her home planet every once in a while. And so, similarly to what we didn't get in Secret Invasion, if the reason why she's not on Earth is not satisfactory, I'm going to be really disappointed. Like, I and I, I, I want it to be from the character because I think we kind of know what it is. But if the if it is not like explored, then I'm then that's lazy. Like. I want them to go into, she clearly has some type of traumatic relationship with Earth, and there might have been extenuating circumstances, but, like, Mm -hmm. clearly there is something going on with her that makes her, that made her avoid Earth. And if it, if they just leave it as, I was protecting all these other planets, like, bullshit. Like, that's just not, because even if that is true, that's, like, not an interesting character then. Like, if the only reason that they didn't go to Earth is because she was, like, mathematically there are other planets, like, that's not, I... I, that's not a hero to me. Then that's not a comp- compelling character. I don't want to get my hopes all the way up, but the thing that I saw in the last teaser where you hear Monica talk about, "Hey, you know, you left, and then my mom yeah. died. Like, what happened?" That's mm-hmm. it's just stuff like it seems like Nia DaCosta at least yeah has it has a clue as to yeah this is kind of the stuff that we want to see, and she's talked about focusing on the characters, and that's. That part of what Carol Danvers has been or hasn't been has stuck out like a sore thumb. This is supposed to be somebody who we view as a leader, a future leader in the MCU. And it's just hilarious to go back to that Shang-Chi post credit and see how she's there for like a hot second and then she bounces, which <laughs> which is funny enough that um, 
that banner goes, yeah, she does that a lot. And yeah, I would like to know why. Like yeah. besides the like, whole intergalactic superpower. That yeah. is an interesting character detail. I'm interested in that. If I if the thing she needs to get over is that she has attachment issues, which I think is very clear, that is what I would like to see in a film. And I guess the reason why I would be 100% sure that that's what we were going to explore if Secret yeah. Invasion didn't so clearly drop the ball. Because Secret Invasion is like, oh, we're going to figure out why Nick Fury was just like, uh, no. Like, I think you and I disagree in what I want. What I want from Secret Invasion is him to have, like, a moment where he breaks down and is like, I was scared. Like, I think that, and just, like, be really honest or whatever. And Just give me something. No, Jake, something. you know what it is? I just needed something from exactly. him besides the nothing that we exactly. got. It really yeah. just, they did the yada yada about mm-hmm. other stuff. Try to make a fake relationship with the wife that wasn't real to me, didn't come across no. as real, and then nothing about why I went up there mm-hmm. and never came back. Yeah, and so, like, I don't need, like, I'll be happy either way, but I frankly would be a little bit disappointed if that, I, I actually almost want the reason why Carol didn't come back to be as simple as her, like, emotions or, like, her being mm-hmm. unable to deal with it. Like, I, they're probably going to give some cosmic reason or whatever, which fine. But, like, I actually, it is enough for me to be, like, she did, lost her memory and doesn't feel all this, but she feels like she, you know, screwed something up, yada, yada, yada. Like, that is, because that's what makes characters interesting, you know? If, if, if everything a character does is purely because of outside forces they're not that interesting of a character. Um, and so I hope that there's, I hope that she has a real, some real shit comes out. I, I want that. I want her and Monica to hash the shit out. I want, um, uh, I want Kamala to realize that um, her idol is flawed. I think that's part of it. And like, I, these are the things I want to see. And I have faith currently based on things I've heard Nia Costa say, things she has been critical about the MCU previously. Uh, I have faith that will get that but who knows mm-hmm. you know i i've been burned before which is a thing i wouldn't have said like three years ago i would not have said i've been but i've been burned i've been burned recently with hoping for things so yes yeah, so um, we'll see yeah that should be interesting but yeah you, you right, got my final know. question this is like kind of sort of for the rest of the year but mm-hmm. if the strikes go on until the end of the year what projects that have not been started I'm sorry, what project that has not been started or that has been proposed or announced would you be most okay with being scrapped? Oh, wow, that's a great question. That is a great question. Okay, what hasn't started? Well, you know Blade hasn't started. Uh, That's the the big one that I'm almost wondering if... Huh. Now you're really making me put my thinking cap on because... It seems like, okay, so now I will go into the stuff that I hear on the outskirts of what they may yeah, try and do. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be something that's been officially announced. Right. It doesn't have to be officially announced. The There's the Nova project. There is the alleged uh, Ghost Rider thing that, that's been written or whatever, and they have that in that they might want to do. There is the the alleged nomad that was uh was a was a character thing of something that steve rogers did steve rogers was uh, was a was the character nomad for a while when he didn't don the captain america suit anymore and he just did stuff along those lines that was another one that was in development um out of any of those personally i'd say right now I think I do think that the blade stuff is tough. 
it's tough and it's tough for this reason now i think they're gonna push it through because mm-hmm. mahershala really 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 wants to do it yeah so they're gonna push that through but i will say that there is a reason that all of the stuff happened prior to the strike there were there was a director firing there were script issues where Mahershala apparently wanted a different script and that's what led to the director getting fired and then they hired a new one and then they added a Nick Pizzolatto from True Detective to to, to put his own notes on the thing. There has been so many stops and starts with this project that it almost makes me wonder, does it make sense to even continue with it? So that I, I feel like I would love to see Blade Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you need to bring him in in something, and maybe this is a character that you need to bring in as a side character for the time being, and then maybe revisit it if the people really clamor for it more. Because I do think that with a couple of years having been removed from the MCU at its heights, I think now it does feel like it's more difficult to get something like that across, mm-hmm. especially if the fervor to go to the movies to see every MCU project and, and everything like that is not what it was. So I, I'll, say, I'll say Blade because that's the, the one thing that they're itching to start once this strike ends. So mm-hmm. we'll yeah. see. I'll, I'll go with Blade. Interesting, interesting. That that was my guess, but yeah, I think that is just it's an interesting thing to explore, especially as there are some things that are not on the schedule that I think you would and I would like to see. And some things I was like, like I I think Blade would actually do pretty well if the thing about Blade once again is like I think Blade would do pretty well because it'd be like an action horror movie, which those mm-hmm. are like movies that always do well even today. But it, again, it's like if they make it for $200 million, it won't do that well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, 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 of course, the MCU is the only people that are going to fuck up the horror movie formula. We're like, the f- fifth insidious movie, Sleptwalk, it's like $100 million and made a huge profit. But somehow, the MCU would make that movie for $150 million. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why, like, I consider Werewolf by Night like a cult classic yeah. at this point because it's like, they, they knew what they were doing. They just said, "We're gonna, we're gonna make this simple. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna overdo it. We're gonna put, we're gonna have some camp. We're gonna make this this thing black and white." And it really, it really hits. Like if you haven't seen, like if you're a casual listening to this show right now, I say go watch that and, yeah. and take a look at that. I think you would, fi- I think you would enjoy it yeah. personally. It, it's not something that is totally removed from everything else. It's its own self-contained mm-hmm. story. And I just think that it was just so entertaining and it, and it's not a two and a half hour mm-hmm. uh, epic with, mm-hmm. with all of these uh, and the stakes spots that don't need to be there. The stakes aren't a portal opening up in the sky that's going to destroy everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So I, my final, my final question for you. So these are the, ale- there's, there's the alleged titles of what if came out today. Mm-hmm. So I want to read some of them to you and see Mm -hmm. which one of them intrigues you the most. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have what if Gamora killed Thanos? Mm -hmm. We have what if Captain Carter finds the Hydra Stomper continued from season one? Mm -hmm. What if the Tesseract landed in Haudenosaunee Confederacy before the colonization of America? This is the introduction of a new hero, Mm. um, Kahori who this is somebody that they just came up with. Mm-hmm. This is not even a comic book character. This is somebody that they officially okay. are putting into this show. 
What if Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne fought the Red Guardian during the 1980s? What if Yondu delivered Star-Lord to Ego? Mm -hmm. What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas, Iron Man 3? Mm -hmm. What if Wanda had grown up watching musicals instead of sitcoms? Mm -hmm. What if the Avengers had fought Surtur? Mm -hmm. And finally, what if Odin and Hela had faced Wenwu? So the answer is, I think, very clear from is it not even a question? Is what if Wanda grew up watching musicals? Like, come on, let's not be st- <laughs> like that. Is not the answer that uh, most people are going to say. I think the one that like, it, if I can put myself in not me brain, I would say like the one about the Avengers facing Surtur is probably going to be has a lot of cool potential to it. And the one, of yeah. course, with the Tesseract landing in the Native American tribe. I don't remember the name. I apologize. Um, that's interesting. But I think in terms of what I. In terms of what I think is exciting about the idea of the show, what if the musicals one is very interesting because it, it feels very – like I think the thing I complained about when we were doing what if is that like the what if ones that work the best for me are ones where you, there is actually just one moment where one thing goes differently as yeah. opposed to the ones where that like and – and so they're just changing one thing there as opposed to like the – what if, you know, uh, Janet and Hank fought Red Guardian? Like, that is, the what if is actually, like, that's the result of what's happening, but, like, what is the actual thing that branches off, you know? That's the, it's yeah. always, that, that's always a little yeah. frustrating. It feels like they're more interested in figuring out a what if for, like, a conclusion as opposed to the thing that changes. Like, I mean, yeah, if, if they could yeah. do, like, what if Janet and Hank, you know, what if Janet and Hank were... Uh, stayed with the CIA or something like that, and then the result of that is that they fight the Red Guardian. I'd be more interested in that. But if the if the title of the episode gives that away, then like I don't know, I'm not that interested. Well, there's, a, I mean, there's a reason that the what if T'Challa became Star Lord episode is just such a really good one. Is because you see how it affects everybody. I mean, he made Thanos like a, a very nice man. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just stuff like that. It's just incredible and. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor Strange one was the other one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you see, I mean, it, there's an overarching theme about it overall mm-hmm. that I think is interesting about the Strange character that you, we see throughout not only that, but the films as well. Mm-hmm. But um, those are two episodes I think of. And I actually like the Thor uh, the Thor and Captain Marvel fighting each yeah, other. That's not that was actually pretty good. The Thor parties too hard. That was mm-hmm. one was pretty good. But yeah, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what it brings. I mean, for me, like... I, the Odin Hella Wen Wu stuff is like you're bringing yeah. characters from two different ends mm. of the spectrum together yeah. for something that I, that I'm intrigued with. Um, I feel like I think Gamora, the Gamora Thanos thing, was something that was extra from season one that they're just mm-hmm. putting in this. So that one is not like up mm-hmm. high up my list. And uh, yeah, the new hero, the the mm. Tesseract thing, I'm intrigued about that too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the bottom line with what if is we are here for that to just see how much that they um how much they stumble if they they do stumble yeah i, I just have low expectations i'm not really that mm-hmm. i'm not gonna get bent out of shape if it's bad um and yeah it's a thing to put on and to, it's a reason to do the pod so like whatever that that's kind of the uh, if they if it's good i'll be happy uh but i don't need it to be good I, i'll live you know what did you think about the because a lot of people there were people who were citing this um this week with because uh what if has very high scores on rotten tomatoes and obviously yes. it came out this week that rotten tomatoes apparently is has a little uh fraudulent so i actually think that the problem the biggest problem with rotten tomatoes honestly i don't think is the fraud the problem is that it is a pass fail system by itself like i think the reason why so many marvel things have been inf- way too high ratings is because 
most Marvel things, people are like, eh, it wasn't that bad. And that is the same as saying this is the best thing you've ever seen. So, like, why does What If have really high rating? I don't know, because maybe people are like, yeah, this isn't that bad. Like, that's, I think, the bigger issue with Rotten Tomatoes. My whole thing, I, I Rotten Tomatoes really is just, like, a fucking useless site. And, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to sound pretentious, but just, like, find a couple critics you like and read them and follow their opinions. Like, don't let a number tell you whether or not a movie's good. Um, I don't know, now, now I'm sounding like Martin Scorsese complaining about the state of cinema, but it is <laughs> it is truly just like, come on. Whenever I see people be like, oh, I heard, the, I saw the movie had like a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, it's not good. It's like, that's nothing, what does that mean? Like, that's stupid, don't, um, or when people sincerely complain that a movie that they think is good has a low score, it's like, okay, all that tells you is that some critics didn't like it, that's okay, it's okay for you to like a movie that critics don't like and vice versa. So I think that the bigger scandal in regards to Marvel is that Marvel has gotten away with having higher Rotten Tomato scores because they make movies that, until recently, when people got really tired of the formula, are formulaic enough to mm-hmm. basically never upset anyone into writing a bad review, you know? They get a lot of C-pluses, and that is the same as getting an A-plus. All right, so... Bonus question for you, and has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the MCU. Of course. What do you think is going to happen with the Jets this season? <sighs> I am such a pessimist when it comes to sports because I'm not just a Jets fan; I'm also a Mets fan, and so I think that that's a there's a big difference I think between Jets fans who are Yankees fans and Jets fans who are Mets fans because Jets fans who are Yankees fans sometimes can be positive and maybe like, oh yeah, I don't know, just going. I think <laughs> what, if you actually hook me up to a paragraph, what I will tell you is that this is going to bring Brett Favre 2008 to play. That's what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to be okay and then get injured because he's 40 years old. And Tom Brady is a freak, and he's the only one who can do it. I, I think the defense is going to be really good. I think unlike the Brett Favre season, the Jets will probably sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. But, like, I just am not I, – I, I, if, if it was some other team, if the Patriots got Aaron Rodgers, I'd be like, oh, my God, he's going to throw 50 touchdowns. But, like, mm-hmm. I have just lived as a Jets fan, and nothing Same. in my life as a Jets fan – has ever suggested to me that this would go well. This feels like a classic. This feels like, honestly, the Jets, the Mets, and the Knicks all do this. We're like, they'll sign someone when they're too old, and then they'll suck completely. And so, like, when I see a lot of Jets fans who are excited, I'm happy for them. I just can't. I, I'm, I really have so much trouble not thinking of the worst, but that's because I'm a broken person when it comes to sports. So that's my answer. You know, I think the thing for me that really bugs me is that Hard Knocks really, like, kind of, got me to buy in a little bit yeah and I'm it always like, does I don't and i don't want to too much um i feel like they're gonna end up 10 and 7 that's yeah. like just my i just feel like the first six games are just so oh my god that's good i mean it's, a t- it's such a tough division i mean the whole conference is tough too so like yeah whole conference yeah. and then you play the cowboys play the yeah. nfc east this year so you got the eagles in there the giants are good mm-hmm. so like all of those games are gonna be tough too and i mean the bottom line is i just remember that image of Rodgers in that practice, that scrimmage against the Panthers, mm-hmm. and he, the defensive line of the Panthers is just in his face every play, and he's mm-hmm. like, we got to get this fucking right. Yeah. And that was like when I looked and said, that offensive line, man, I can't trust it. Yeah, I just, once again, I I just... Because, I love Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I think the I yeah. think if if there's time to throw, the offense will yeah. actually be good. Brees Hall's back. Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook is a good... Is a solid like second running back to have with mm-hmm. uh, recovering Brees Hall, and then yeah. if Brees Hall is up to par, then later in the season, then he could really take off. And yeah, yeah I, I think it can be. They can be really good. I just am not. I am not in a place in my journey as a person to ever be excited about a Jet season going into it. I just can't do it. I, I can't. It's it's I. 
I just had so much pain in my life um, from it. So burning football analysis from the MCU. Guy. Yeah, I just want my analysis is really just like I am a wounded puppy dog. And, um, you know, it's uh, I, but I, I would love to be proven completely wrong. I would love for Aaron Rodgers to come out and have yeah. Peyton Manning in first year of Denver type season. But, you know, I just I can just hear, I can see it already. People being like, oh, it was just Tom Brady who could do that. Duh. Yeah. Like that. You, It feels it's like tough. it's coming. Yeah, it, it does. It does. When you see Rodgers throw those passes, though, like they still got some of the zip on them. So they I'm do. Like, okay. They do, which is good. Um, although so, I don't know if you saw, he was posting about uh, Novak Djokovic talking about. Oh, Novak Djokovic. Oh God. Yeah, so it's like, can't. God can't. damn it! Why you got? Why I got a root for you? Shit. Mm. But um, I, yeah, the we'll nickname see. I tried to give Rodgers, it didn't stick, and on Twitter was a QBRFK Junior. That's great. I I mean honestly, I was a little bit mad at this. I felt like that was speed. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway. man, this guy crossing out Moderna. But yeah, man. Um, Jake, this is Jake. As always, it's it's fun to be back for an episode. We'll see where this road takes us. I, I do do think that we gotta we gotta do a little Loki preview before the season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if season starts, and then we'll <laughs> see what else we could come up yep. with in the meantime. But. Until then, Jake, where can we follow you, sir? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jay Christie. Listen to my other podcast, Love at First Psych, where me and Andre Barrera are going through the USA Network original series Psych. We're almost done with season three, and anyone who's a Psych fan knows the last bits of season three are nothing but fucking straight heat, so I'm very excited. Awesome, awesome stuff. You can follow me on the Twitter at AnthonyCanton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod on all platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Since we did, since we've done an episode again, I will say this: keep subscribing to that YouTube channel. There will be another chance for a prize when we get to the number two hundred. So that magic two hundred number is a, is a number that you want to get to at some point. So in the meantime, yes, continue to support the show, Patreon.com, as I as I noted earlier. Uh, subscribe, uh, follow, get into the Discord. Appreciate everybody for supporting and following the show. For Jake Christie, I am Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.